Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Playmakers Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Popelars, and you can find me on Twitter at PopesFFH. I am joined, as always, with my co-host, Ryan, who you can find on Twitter at Mackie underscore FFB. How's it going, Ryan? Not too bad, man. Just uh, actually got a, got a promotion at work here yesterday, so pretty excited about oh, that. Got to got to move to second shift, though. I'm not really excited about that. I'm, I'm I like my first shift. I like being able to spend time with my kids and stuff like that. But uh, the promotion kind of makes it where I got to work second shift. But uh, hopefully, it's only for a little while and get another position on first shift, doing the same thing and get back to regular schedule. But uh, I'm excited for the show. I'm excited for Adam to be here and excited to talk about the, the AFC East. Nice. So, what's your second shift there? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. Cause like ever since I started this job, I've been working overtime. So I've been working five to three, 5am to 3pm. And their normal hours were like seven to three, but it switched to six to two with COVID for some reason. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's all sorts of messed up at the moment. So it's probably like three to 11 or two to 10 or something like that. But, uh, nice. I'm not really, not really sure what's going to happen with that. Hey, a promotion's a promotion, but you alluded to it earlier. Yeah, joining us today, we have Adam Pelletier. He's a fantasy football editor over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, who you can find him on Twitter at Adam Pelletier. What is up, Adam? How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for having me on, gents. Excited to talk some fantasy football. Always a good time. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're all here Bills fans. One's from, uh, what do we got here? We got Pennsylvania, we got Buffalo with me, and then we got a transplant in North Carolina. All three Bills fans, so we'll try to stay not as biased as possible. (laughs) We all know who's winning. Unbiased is overrated. I don't know why people want this unbiased thing. It's it's a load of crap. It's no good. Yeah, the Bills are winning (laughs) the Super Bowl. Just everybody needs to accept it. So It's been that way for like seven years (laughs) (laughs) but either way ryan why don't you uh get a uh quick word in here from one of our sponsors for the show king sports yeah we got the king sports draft guide go check out king fantasy sports draft kit and get the advantage over your league mates this draft season do the right preparation and start your season off right you'll get rankings breakouts busts, values and sleepers have some funky league settings learn how to make your own projections and stop sitting on the sidelines and buy it now the guide is only $8.99 Use our promo code PLAYMAKERS to get an additional 10% off. I'm talking less than $10 to get everything you need in your arsenal to not just compete but dominate your leagues this season. Awesome, awesome. We got uh, something big coming from King Sports 2 next week. Um, we'll allude to that next week, so you have to tune in for that. It's going to be another giveaway of sorts. But, yeah, let's kind of just jump into some breaking news. Uh, a lot of people have been waiting to talk about this. The Julio Jones trade finally went down on Sunday. Ryan, we're going to start off with you. What do you think? What's the out? Like, what's the um, outlook here now for the pass catchers in Tennessee? Okay, so I'm not going to go through anything too crazy with this, but I think Julio drops a touch from where he was in Atlanta. Uh, Titans had the third fewest pass attempts last season, so I don't think he's I don't think he's a top five option by any means anymore. But I do think him and AJ Brown both are uh, within the. Tw- top 12 realm of possibilities. I, I think they both can be a wide receiver one. Uh, I, I tweeted out the other day that if Kirk Cousins can support two wide receiver ones, I'm pretty sure Ryan Tannehill can in the same style of offense. Um, 
I think AJ Brown rises a little bit because I think he'll just be a little bit more efficient. He only caught 66% of his targets last season. So I expect his efficiency to go up, being able to see single coverage a lot more now with Julio there. Tannehill rises for me. Henry kind of stays the same. So I expected the touchdown and yards to regress slightly next season. So he's still a top end running back one in redrafts, lower, lower in dynasty just because he's getting up there in age and he's got 900 attempts the last three seasons. First row rises for me. Uh, middle of the field should open up a little bit more. Saw 53 targets last season, so he should see a little bit more efficiency as well. And on the Atlanta side, Ridley obviously skyrockets. 16-game pace, 100, 100 catches, 1,500 yards, six touchdowns last season without Julio. Uh, Pitts, he was already skyrocketed as it was, but I think he his projection obviously has to go up a little bit, seeing as how I think, uh, I think Lee Smith is the blocking tight end there. Hurst kind of lines up in, in line, and uh, Pitts lines up in the slot a lot more, and Gage and Zacchaeus are both up for me. Gage had 110 targets last season, average eight a game without Julio. Uh, Z averaged slightly over six targets per game without Julio in only three games, So, and he has some sleeper potential for me. Nice. I like it all. How about you, Adam? How do you feel about this trade? Uh, the big thing that I'm going to disagree with here is that Julio is not going to take a step forward by moving to Tennessee. I think everyone's really biased by last year. We're really getting hung up by that 2020 raw stats. We're looking at the 68 targets, 51 catches, 771 yards. The problem is he did that in only nine games. Let's just remember he was in and out of the lineup, banged up a lot last year. He's going to be fully healthy. He's going to be ready to go, and he's going to be motivated. He's a guy who forced his way out. He made it clear where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to a contender landing in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. Um, I actually don't know that Anthony Fersker is going to be as big an impact as we're thinking he's going to be. He's probably going to take a step back there just because they do have the limited passing attempts. Um, Right now we're probably looking at AJ Brown and Julio both being over a hundred targets and no one else in that. And maybe Fersker at like 65, maybe. Um, that seems high. They're going to want to control the ball still with Henry. Um, looking at Atlanta, obviously Ridley to the moon, Kyle Pitts to the moon. Um, and then it's going to be a battle between Russell Gage and Zacchaeus. Um, and I think the underrated thing here is Mike Davis with the checkdowns underneath. I think Mike Davis is going to be firmly ensconced, especially in your PPR leagues. Mike Davis is going to finish the year as an RB1. He's the sole back in that backfield right now. No one else is really going to compete with him. Um you know, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I think I, I kind of like Caleb Huntley and Javanian Hawkins there. I think both of them are, I mean, they're dark horses. They're deep, deep sleepers, but I think they could be somebody who could maybe push uh, Mike Davis. But like Adam had said, I mean, Mike Davis is that lead back back there. And I do like him too. I think he gets a bump. I think Hayden Hurst gets a slight bump too out of this trade. I think that you're going to see Pitts possibly lined up a little bit more outside, but Hayden Hurst just, I mean, he's still probably going to be irrelevant as far as tight ends go, just because of how irrelevant most tight ends are. But, I mean, he could have slight sleeper potential if something happens to Kyle Pitts, but highly unlikely. But we do have to announce that later in the show, not right now, but we are going to announce the winner of the Scott Fishbowl 11 giveaway a little bit later. So, unfortunately, you have to listen to us for a little bit longer. See how I did that? You know what I mean? But anyways... Let's move into the meat and potatoes here. Let's get talking about the New York Jets here. New York Jets, they went out and they added Zach Wilson this year. Um, second pick in the draft. What are our expectations for Zach Wilson this year for fantasy? Adam, why don't you lead us off? 
Listen, I just think Zach Wilson is, you know, he's going to be up and down. He's going to have an up and down year, probably slating in in the QB 30, in the QB 25, 30 range. Um, I'm not expecting a lot out of him just because I don't know that he has the weapons around him to be productive yet, especially in a New York offense. You know, the defense has been suspect at times, but they've been decent. I just don't know that they're going to trust him initially. I think it's going to be a lot of running the ball. That being said, I do think he's going to have some weeks, especially later in the season as he gets more comfortable and develops a rapport where he might do some things and actually produce. Um, but right now, just quarterback 30, nothing all that spectacular. Interesting. I know a lot of people are pretty high on Zach Wilson. I mean, but see, that feels right to me. Like, I, I feel like I want to put him higher. I feel like he seems like a gunslinger kind of that might have an opportunity because I feel like they're going to be playing from behind a lot. But I feel like that seems like I feel like a two will finish, which is like right around that 25 30 range is right. Um, it just feels right to me. I think that he's a good dynasty asset. I just think that everybody should maybe temper for year one. Um, but there's I just, mean, I just, he was one of my least favorites of the rookie quarterbacks. I just, I feel like he had this stupendous one year and he just, there seems to be that there could be a bust factor there with him. So I'm just a little worried. Um, I don't know. Ryan, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm kind of on on the same uh, on the same mode as Adam here. I mean, it's a whole new coaching staff in town, so we have no idea what the offense is really going to look like. I understand that uh, people believe in that system that that they're bringing over from San Francisco there, but uh, he's like you said, he's got one really solid year under his belt in college, and from my understanding, he he had he had struggles even starting for that BYU team like when I was looking up him in college like he was he actually wasn't even the potential starter to go into the year either last year or the year before so the fact that he wasn't able to just step on the field right away at BYU of all places is a little concerning for me uh he's not like a redraft target of mine by any means I think maybe if you're in a super flex league and he's your QB three bye week fill in type guy. I, I can I can see that and feel that, but uh, he's not somebody that I'm interested in targeting in particular. Like I'm not going out of my way to draft him in any sort of format as of right now. But uh, as a dynasty asset, I do like him because he's going to have a starting role. They're going to give him a couple years to really sh- show and develop and see what he can really do. And I'm sure they're going to bring in some more weapons because I feel like Robert Sala is going to be a good coach. So I think they're going to. I do think they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. And uh, if he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out. But uh, just being, just having the opportunity alone, I think gives him at least some value in, in dynasty leagues. I don't know about this, not wanting him as I think he's higher than a QB three and super flex. If you're playing a super flex league, he's the kind of guy who you're going to want to get as your QB two. You're going to want to back him up, but I'd much rather be rolling him out there every week than most of these guys, just because he does have some ability with his legs. He has that ability after the play. Again, conservative estimate, QB 30 range right now, but I think he could finish as a QB 2. You know, most of us are playing in 12, 14 team leagues, which means QB 2 goes all the way down to 28. Um, so if you're talking about a QB 3, you're talking about a spot starter guy like a Taysom Hill. You know, it, you know who, do you, who would you rather have, Taysom Hill or Zach Wilson? This this is just me personally because me in, in super flex leagues I always go QB early so right 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 I get what you're saying that, I'm just saying, I'm saying that you shouldn't be super out on him if you're in a super flex league you know in a super flex league where you can't blitz the QBs early because the good ones have gotten snapped up 
and you're stuck taking running backs and wide receivers there, you know, maybe you're picking a little later in the first. Zach Wilson's a real nice guy to come back around in like around seven, eight, um, scoop him up and just lock down that quarterback position with some talented upside. Yeah. Like, I mean, for example, I mean, I would take him over like a Jared Goff or probably Derek Carr somewhere in there. I'm like, I'm all in on Zach Wilson. I like Derek Carr, but I just think Zach Wilson possibly has a bigger upside just because of pure age. And we just know what Derek Carr is. He's a safe floor. I just, he's never going to go out and give you like those big weeks. And I think like Adam had mentioned, Zach Wilson has proven that he is very effective with his legs as well. And I mean, it's just going to be a question mark on what the system is. Is Are they going to be very run heavy or are they going to be more pass heavy? And if, if they are pass heavy, can the pass catchers get it done? So why don't we lead into that run heavy style? Let's go with the running backs here. We've got Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, and Michael Pirine. Um, most of these guys are previous or two are previous regime. The other two they brought in. Um, I saw early reports as of now is Tevin Coleman seems to be the lead guy, but I've also seen things that Michael Carter is making a push. So Adam, where do you stand on this backfield? Do you want any of them or are you just kind of out on all of them at the moment? Uh, I can, the only thing I know for sure is that the Tevin Coleman thing is just a giant dog and pony smoke show. Um, Tevin Coleman's just there. Tevin Coleman's just there because he knows the playbook. He's helping these young guys get acclimated. You know, Michael Carter, 22, Michael Piran, 23, Ty Johnson, 24. All three of them have different skill sets. They have different abilities with the ball in their hand, and they actually fit very nicely into a Shanahan offense. Tevin Coleman's just there to help them all understand this is where you go. This is where you block. This is everything that you do. Um, Tevin Coleman's going to, and going to, he's going to be lucky if he makes it through the entire season. I'm thinking he's their RB4 inactive on game day sometimes or just the technical backup um, running back, but he's going to see limited action. I think it's going to be Michael Carter and Michael P. Ryan. In PPR leagues, um, you might be looking at Ty Johnson. He's shown a lot of promise as a receiving back out the backfield the past two years between Detroit and the New Jersey Jets. So I'd be all on board with any of those guys in late rounds. You're not taking them early. You're taking them late. But they have that upside, and, they might, and they're and they going to hit on a couple weeks like every Shanahan running back. Yeah, I like that. I love that take right there. I love everything about it, so I'm not going to expand too much on it. Ryan, how about you? Anything different? No, no, I agree. Uh, like you said, uh, I'm pretty sure it was even today that Salah came out and said that they all have different qualities. They each can play a role, and it, quote, should be fun finding a role for all of them, which is something that you do not want to hear as a fantasy owner. Like, you don't want to hear that you have multiple guys that can find a role in the offense. Like, it's it's one of those things where you just don't – you're not going to know who to start from week to week. I, I, I do feel like Michael Carter might have uh, some PPR upside. Ty Johnson saw 11 red zone touches last year, which was second behind Frank Gore, so they might trust him a little bit more in the red zone. Uh, P. Ryan had eight as well. So, again, it's, it's one of those things where you just don't really know who's it, who it's going to be from week to week, and it might come down to if one of these guys gets injured, maybe we see one of them step up and take a larger role on. But I'm personally avoiding them in redrafts just because I just don't know what to expect from the offense and from the talent in the backfield in general at the, at the current moment. I mean, so what kind of redraft league are you playing in where you can afford to avoid the RB32? Like – I want to come play with you in that. It sounds like it's some sort of league where people either don't know what they're doing or it's super shallow because RB32 is rostered in every one of my leagues, and that's where Michael Carter is right now in our in the projections we worked on with SGPN. 
And I just feel like, you know, he's someone who has to be rostered. You might not be starting him as you're in one of your two RB slots. He might be a flex, but he has to be rostered and probably Ty Johnson and the Michael P Ryan too. I know. I think, I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I, to everybody just avoid him entirely. I'm saying that me personally, I'm not going to target these guys. If I, if I can, if I can absolutely avoid it, I'm trying not to have one of them in the back. If I have to, if they're at a value for me, yeah, sure. I absolutely, I mean, I'm that's not going to think it's like, you know, running back is in redraft leagues. I target running backs early and I get just kind of either depth pieces that will give me week to week value that could give me week to week value and that are in more of a solidified role or are in as big of a committee as these four are. I mean, I, I just think it's going to be a three man committee probably would just Carter being the lead back and it's going to be someone who's going to be that steel sitting there in round eight. You know, if I'm sitting there in round eight, I'm all over Michael Carter getting into the double digit rounds. I'm going to be all over Ty Johnson. Um, you know, they're just guys who are going to give you big value. And they're those guys who, you know, late rounds, you got to take a dart throw on these running backs. You know, you got to take a dart throw on a couple of running backs late just because you don't know what's going to happen. Full disclosure, I'm not a redraft guy, so I'll let you guys fight that out there. But my full my full ADP, my my reach all offseason was LaMichael P. Ryan, and then they drafted Michael Carter and crushed my soul. So I'm hoping it's P. Ryan, but I agree. I think it's going to be Michael Carter is going to be the lead dog. And I'm hoping P. Ryan takes over what your guys are saying, which Ty Johnson in the PPR at least to make him somewhat valuable to me. Um, but I do have a dynasty team that rosters all three of them, so I just might start them every now and that's, then. All three of them. That's just, bold. Yeah, I'll just start I've them never all. Never seen a hundred percent ownership in a dynasty league like that. That is, yeah, it's bold. You know, I was just bold. You know, they were all a great value in the off season, and then I just reached for Michael Carter because I'm like, well, I might as well get the other one who's probably the lead. So, yeah. But let's move on to the wide receivers who also kind of messy. I mean, we got Corey Davis coming over from Tennessee. We have Denzel Mims, who you could say underperformed last year. You have Jameson Crowder, who is always an interesting fantasy asset, at least in PPR leagues. Then you have Elijah Moore coming in, who is a rookie who is pretty outstanding out of Old Miss. And then you also, they brought in Keelan Cole. So out of these guys, who are we looking to roster? Like who do we think becomes that wide receiver one? Do we think it's Mims or Davis, Adam? Uh, right now, I think it's Mims. I think Mims has the size that they're looking for on the outside, especially in an offense that's probably going to be run heavy and lots of play action shots. Um, Corey Davis is solid. He's a nice wide receiver, too. I think this is a team with two wide receiver twos and a whole bunch of slot receivers, and it's going to be messy, messy, messy. So you're going to be playing wide receiver roulette most weeks with the Jets receivers. Um, you know, I do think that the problem for Jamison Crowder is going to be if he starts underperforming, he's got Keelan Cole and Elijah Moore nipping at his heels, both of whom can play the slot. Keelan Cole is a spectacularly underrated value. I have been big on him since he landed in Jacksonville. He's never gotten a good shake from a coaching staff or played with a good quarterback, and yet he still had many, many weeks where he's been fantasy relevant. Um, in his rookie year, he was massively fantasy relevant. Everyone remember that second half of the year where he just absolutely broke out and was shredding teams. Um, and he just, he's never gotten a fair shake. And he's a guy where I wouldn't be surprised if Denzel Mims struggles, if Jamison Crowder struggles, if Corey Davis struggles, Keelan Cole is going to step right up and take that. So that's a guy, if you're sitting there last round of your draft before you take kicker and defense, 
Um, or if you're in a dynasty league, you know, keep an eye on him and stash him because he's someone who can break a game up. He has game breaking speed, underrated speed, really. Um, and someone you really want on your rosters. Yeah, I like that. I thought last year too, Keelan Cole, I added him in a couple of rosters. He kind of had a little spurt there in Jacksonville as well. He's always had spurts. And it's just like you said, just never gotten that shake where he's got that opportunity. And I think this could be a spot where he could, like you'd mentioned, if Mims slips up or Davis. Um, I feel like if Crowder slips up, it's going to be Elijah Moore stepping up there. But I, either of those outside guys, I could see Keelan Cole kind of taking over. Um, Ryan, how do you feel about any of these guys? Uh, I agree with the fact that uh, there's two wide receiver twos there. I don't, I don't think Davis or Mims is that alpha wide receiver one type of player, although although Mims probably has probably profiles better as that. Uh, I still I don't know if Crowder is still on the team come week one. Like they still save ten million dollars if they cut him. Uh, if Elijah Moore has good camp, which reports out of OTAs are that he's already forming a good connection with Wilson. He's He's taken a couple short passes to the house on defenses, uh, but it, but it's OTAs, so you know it's kind of just whatever with the, at that point. Uh, but the Keelan Cole thing is the biggest thing that I agree with. I I really like Keelan Cole, especially at a value value for me. Uh, he the only thing is that it's just hard to see at the current moment him having a clear path to playing time. But he's another guy that reports out OTAs or that he's been dominant on the field and Wilson really likes him. He's been targeting him a lot. So he's a guy that's worth keeping an eye on in redrafts. He probably, he's going to get drafted late in redrafts if he gets drafted. And uh, he's definitely worth a deep flyer uh, in PPR leagues and, and dynasty because if, if like Adam said, if he, if one of those guys slips up or gets hurt or anything like that, like he will step up and he will produce for them. Like he has any other time he's been given the opportunity to do so. Yeah, um, he's not necessarily the PPR monster. He's more just a big play kind of guy. He's just, you know, uh, you know, they call him the Owensboro Flash for a reason. He's just going to get it and go. You know, great, amazing breakaway speed. We saw it last year on that punt return he had for the Jags in one of his big breakout games. And, you know, but uh, I think if Jamison Crowder isn't on the roster, you know, that's going to open up the door a lot because the Jets are also going to be behind a ton. So they're going to be in four wide chucking the ball all over the field every day, every, every weekend. So let's get into a real interesting, disappointing position here for the Jets, which is tight end. Do we think Chris Herden finally breaks out like we've all hoped for? Adam, what are you defining a breakout as? Eh, you know, Jeez, he's been so bad. I mean, maybe tight end 14. I don't think he's going to cross that threshold. He might be in the low teens, like seven, like 18, 19. I just, I don't know. Like at the end of the day, they have a bunch of guys. They have Ryan Griffin. They have Tyler Croft too. Chris Herndon's probably going to see majority of the targets from the tight end spot, but they also just have so many receivers. And Denzel Mims is a big body who they can target in the end zone like they target a tight end. You know, and all these receivers are talented and good in the red zone. I just, I don't know. I just think it's going to be another disappointing year. Go ahead, hype yourself up on him if you want, but he's just someone who's going to disappoint at the end of the day. Maybe in the late rounds of best ball leagues, you're taking him, but that's about it. Yeah, I found myself taking him in like late rounds of dynasty startups. He's going real late. Like everybody just is on that same thing where it's just like, eh, it's Chris Herndon, whatever. So, I mean, I'm taking him on the chance that he is very athletic and he has the upside. So, I mean, if you're super late in a dynasty startup or you can get him as like a toss-in in a dynasty trade, 
that's about the only way I'm acquiring them. I'm not going out to get them. Um, I think it's just that big, like, oh, wow, the San Francisco-style offense is coming over, and look what they did with George Kittle. Um, I believe that's just what's pussing them up here. But I agree. I, I'm not overly excited on Herndon. I think there's the potential he could um, get up there. However, I don't know if it's going to happen. I agree with Adam. I think it's probably going to be maybe a little bit more of a disappointment, but there's definitely a path I can see where he could get there. Um, so if you're late in drafts, I would say take the shot on him. Um, but I'm not reaching for Chris Herndon. Ryan, do you have anything to add on Chris Herndon? My notes literally say not again, and that's it. Because I've drafted him in two straight years. It's not happening again. I don't care if <laughs> I don't care what he does. Uh, if he breaks out, fantastic, great for him. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> All right, so Ryan's out. Let's move on to the New England Patriots here. Patriots also drafted a quarterback also in the first round. They drafted Mac Jones. So they obviously roster Cam Newton, who finished as a QB 16, respectively. Um, and I know there was a report that there's a hand injury with Cam Newton here in OTAs. But who do we think is the starter by the start of the season? And then who do we think starts by the end of the season? Adam? I think Cam Newton's going to be a wire-to-wire starter for them this year. Um, it just seems like Mac Jones is just there. You know, they have him on a five-year contract as a rookie. He's going to be someone who they can develop. And, you know, I don't know that Mac Jones moves the needle at all. I think this is going to be part of Bill Belichick's legacy as the dude can't actually draft. This is the sneaky thing no one talks about with the Patriots is Bill Belichick is epically bad at drafting. Um, The thing that always propped him up and propped his teams up was he had Brady, you know, it's looking more and more like he had Brady. And then also they just managed to get underrated value later in free agency and things like that. Um, he's, he doesn't hit on his early round picks and this just feels like it's going to be another miss. Um, I think Cam, I think they like running the ball with Cam Newton. Um, and I think Cam Newton, you know, maybe a fringe guy, you know, you're going to, if you don't have a top end quarterback option, you're going to roster him in redraft. Um, you're going to hold him in dynasty, especially if you're in super flex, just because if he's on the field, he's looking at double digit rushing touchdowns again. And that's just, you can't pass that up. I like that. It's a little spicy. I feel like a lot of people are high in Mac Jones, but I agree with you. I wasn't very high in Mac Jones either. I feel like Mac Jones is a game manager. He reminds me a lot of like a Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr style quarterback where he just kind of. That's an insult to Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr can actually like play the position effectively. Mac Jones can only throw the ball to guys who are open by 10 yards because they're infinitely better than everybody else. I mean, I, I think he had decent accuracy from what I was watching. I mean, it's real think, easy to be accurate when everybody's open by 15 yards. Yeah, You're throwing to Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle, and everybody, they're just there. burning everybody. What has he got to do? He's got no pressure true. on him. Yeah, that is true. He did very, very rarely face pressure at Alabama, but I don't know. I feel like Mac Jones might start by the end of the season. Just, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be how their season goes. If they're competitive, it's got to be Cam Newton, I feel like, like you had said. But if they start out really bad and they're out of it, I could see them maybe plugging them in and see what they have. But, Ryan, how do you feel? Well, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I can't because I can't remember exactly. But did they, didn't they bench Cam for Jarrett Stidham at some point last year? Was that, was that a thing? Did that actually happen, or am I just thinking that? 
No, he got hurt. Yeah, I was gonna say that he got hurt. All right, all right. So that, that has nothing COVID. to do with my, what I was gonna say. But I was, I was, I was asking because I could have, for some reason, I had it in my head that he got a start over Cam, and Cam was just sitting on the bench. But, um, uh, I agree with you guys. I think, well, I agree with Adam actually. I think Cam starts from week one to the end, but. Like you said, if their season starts going south, would I be surprised if Mac Jones gets playing time? No, absolutely not, because I feel like that's just how – I just feel like that's just something that Bill would do. I don't think he's just going to sit there and just let his team go to waste and he'd see what Mac Jones had. But Cam was actually really, really good in terms of rushing the ball. I mean, he was second in carries and, and red zone carries on a per-game basis last season. He was third most uh, in rushing yards for quarterbacks. And he had the most rushing touchdowns last season. So from a fantasy asset, he actually provided you a pretty solid floor. And he was also fourth in deep ball completion percentage. And they added some wide receivers that maybe can help with that, like Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, who's not a huge big play guy, but he but he gives you that added talent to position as opposed to what they had last year. So, and reports out of reports out of camper that Cam has actually looked a lot better. He looked like he refined his mechanics a little bit more. So, I, I, I like Cam to start the majority of the year as long as they're competitive and their season isn't just as long as they're not like last in the AFC East. I feel like they'll just keep Cam in there and let him play out his let him play out his contract and give Mac Jones a year to sit back and learn. And because Cam's actually a good teammate from everything that I've heard, he's been trying to take Mac under his wing and show him uh, how to be a professional and how to be a quarterback to the NFL level. So uh, I feel like that's probably what their, their avenue is here for this season. Nice. I like it. So let's move on to the running back position. I think this is a, uh, it's definitely an interesting one. It's one that can be argued that there's good value in as well as the jets backfield, just based on AUPs. So you got Damian Harris, you have uh, Sony Michelle, the rookie and Ramondre Stevenson and James White is still there. Who is it that we, th- who do we think leads the backfield this year as far as a fantasy asset, Adam? I think it's going to be Damian Harris this year. I'm not that excited about anything he's going to do. He's going to be in that running back to flex range. Um, you know, he's going to have some games. The problem for him is, is Cam is their best rusher. You know, Cam's going to get the ball most likely at the goal line. He's bigger. He's stronger than Harris. Um, but I think that Harris is going to have a better year than he did last year. Uh, Sonny Michelle is going to fall back a little bit more. And especially if you're in PPR leagues, you got to have James White. You have to have James White. You have to have James White. You have to have James White. And even in some, you know, even in non PPR leagues, he's going to be someone who's going to give you some value just because he does touch the ball so much that he's going to have some games. Um, so on a bye week flex fill in, he's going to be a nice choice. Maybe Michelle and Ramondre Stevens get some run if. Damian Harris goes down, but for the most part, Damian Harris, I'm targeting it in like round six to eight. And then James White in maybe like that seven to nine, eight to 10 range, maybe a little earlier in PPR. Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Damian Harris is my, my choice to lead the backfield here. Uh, he, he actually saw the first, he was first in the NFL in, defenders in the box last season he, he averaged 7.4 defenders in the box uh on a per carry basis last season and he was second in stacked front carry 
front carry rate, 42.3% of the time he saw a stack box. So he was fighting an uphill battle. I mean, quarterback play was inconsistent and he had multiple defenders in the box, but he only saw two goal line carries. Cam Newton obviously was digging into that. Uh, they drafted Ramondre Stevenson, who shows some Garrett Blunt vibes for me due to his size. And he's a little bit shiftier than his size would possibly suggest. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some goal line work. Uh, but overall, I think Damian Harris probably leads the team in fantasy points. But like uh, like Adam had said, James White, I mean, six straight years with 40-plus catches. It's just kind of which which guy do we get? Do we get the 13.3 PPR points per game, James White, or do we get the 7.7 we got last season? And I think even if that evens out to the 10-point range, like you said, I'm sure it's he's a bi-week flex fill-in guy that, or a, even a spot starter if, you, if you're in a pinch and – Need somebody to throw in there. I like it. I'm going <clears> to <throat> agree with all of it and just move on to the wide receivers here. Ryan, you alluded it to it earlier. They added Nelson Aguilar, who's a good deep threat. They added Kendrick Bourne, and they retained Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry. So do we? what do we expect from any of these wide receivers outside of being a wide receiver, like a flex play or wide receiver three? Do we think any of these guys have a chance to like kind of just break out and be like a wide receiver too. Adam? No. Fair. <laughs> There's nothing else to be said. I mean, this yeah. is a run first run off in team that's going to take some deep shots down the field. Right now I've got Aguilar and Myers in the wide receiver 80 range. So if, I mean, yeah, they're probably going to be rostered in your league because at the end of the day, they are technically starting wide receivers, but you're going to get down to it and you're going to be looking at it and you're going to say, well, who are we going to go with? And it's just, it's hard to get excited about any of these guys. They're not all that inspiring. They're not all that good. And this is a, you know, they're going to have, it's going to be like 11 to 15 passing touchdowns max on this team. If Mac Jones comes in, the number might even go down because God, the guy's not going to have any time to throw and he's going to get destroyed by NFL defenses. Like this offense is going to be a hot mess disaster. This is the, you know, forget about, old quarterbacks falling off a cliff. We're going to start talking about old coaches going off a cliff because Bill Belichick looks like he's going the way of a college coach who's just stayed too long at the school he made a name for himself for. He needed to ride off into the sunset a long time ago because it looks like the Patriots are going downhill really fast. You know, as a Bills fan, I love everything you're saying, and I'm just going to say <laughs> I love it. I want to see it. So, Ryan, do you want any of these receivers, or are you just completely out just like Adam? Uh, I'd be, I'd be fine with having, uh, Nelson Aguilar on my team, to be honest with you. I mean, 18.7 yards per catch last season adds a little bit new, uh, dimension to the offense they didn't have last year. Like I said, Cam Newton had the fourth best ball or fourth best completion percentage on deep balls last season. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he got, if he had some value to them. They, they did add, uh, Trent Brown this season. So it's not, their offensive line should be better. They're getting a little bit healthier. I know I had some, uh, COVID opt-outs last year that made their team a little bit worse. And uh, Belichick's always been relatively good at just kind of plugging and developing offensive linemen, or at least it's how it seems anyways. It seems like their offensive line is always solid. But uh, It was it was uh, always solid. Then Dante's Garnacchia <laughs> left, and that, that offensive line lost that, its talent. That's that the thing. Still, That's the thing. That, like, everyone's thinking these are your, your dad's patriots. They're not. They don't have Dante's Garnacchia. They don't have – the talented young coaches that they had, you know, they're relying on the nepotism of 
Bill Belichick Jr. over there, whatever the hell his name is with the mullet. <laughs> you know, this this team, yeah, sure, they brought in Trent Brown, but Trent Brown hasn't played football in like two years. <laughs> like, um, yeah. and we're talking about yeah. 18 yards. And even if we're talking about best fourth best deep ball percentage, how many deep balls did he actually throw last year? Where did he fall in raw number of deep balls is my better question to you. That's a good question. I don't actually have that number on there. I just have their completion percentage. Yeah, see, you're looking at flawed stats here, Ryan. You're talking about, oh, he's got the best completion. He probably threw like six deep balls on the year, you know, and he completed four of them. So sure, you know, we can talk about that. That's like my Adam Troutman stat of he had a 99 catch percentage, uh, uh, which was six or was 15 out of 16 targets. Right. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like there were times where the Patriots were taking shots downfield last year, but they just didn't yeah. do it. He had 20, 28 attempts of 20 plus yards. And, and where did that rank in the NFL? That would be. That's going to be really low. That's going to be low. Tw- that's going to be in the 20s, I'm guessing. Yeah, give me one second. Live debunking. Yeah, Just and I'm gonna like and, and so like the guys he's gonna be ahead of or in the company of are gonna be guys like Drew Brees, who's no longer in the league, who's gonna re- be replaced by Jameis Winston. So that number's gonna be up for deep balls. So he's gonna fall even further down. Philip Rivers was checking it down a bunch last year. Um, it, you know, I just ah, twenty eight deep balls isn't a lot, you know. Guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have that in, uh, you know, a game. Sometimes they're throwing it twenty yards or further downfield, and I know that's an exaggeration, but that's just that's anemic for a modern passing offense. If you're going to get excited about a receiver, you know, that's one, that's two deep, not even two deep shots a game. That's that's awful. That's nothing I want anything to do with. Yeah, but do you think his wide receivers had a had a play in that? I mean, you, they don't. They didn't no, have I think any... I think the offense and his arm has everything to do with it. I really question if his shoulder. I mean, the dude, his throwing motion looks different from what it did when he was younger. The shoulder looks like it's gone. The shoulder yeah, looks like really, it's absolutely. He's really shot. stiff and looks like he's pushing now. Yeah, right. I mean, like he's he like used to pushing. just step into it, flick it, and it's going eighty yards. It looks like he's you know putting everything into it, and it's going. 30 on a good day he just doesn't look like the same player he was and so that's just that makes me nervous and even if mac jones comes in i don't think it gets better i think the big ad for Aguilar was also not necessarily to be relevant as far as like a total wide receiver i think he just becomes a field stretcher and i think i'm going to lead this into i think they want to go with the shorter routes a little bit of like the 15 yard seams and stuff like that. And they're going to use the two tight ends they brought in in Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. And I think that's where they want this offense to go. I think like Adam had said, they're going to run a lot. They're going to run the play action and they're going to try and feed these two guys. That's my personal opinion. And from that, I mean, do you think that Adam, do you think any of, do you you think that one of them or both of them could finish top 12? They both finished 12 and 16 last year. I think they're going to finish in about the same spot. The thing that's going to hold them down is the passing touchdowns. I just don't think there's going to be the passing touchdown volume there. They're going to get inside the five and they're running the ball. You know, that's been their MO. It's just been run, 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 run all day, every day. Yep. Ryan? No. Oh, Ryan said he was going to agree. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I – I just see it being a Janu Smith, Hunter Henry type offense that I just don't see that 
lure for these wide receivers. Like you had said, Adam, I think that they both, they all finish fairly low. I mean, I don't see Aguilar returning to that 34 wide, the third wide receiver 34 that he produced last year, even Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers at 60 and 53 seem like a stretch. Um, I think again, I think Hunter Henry's going to lead the team with 90 something targets. John, who's going to have 70 something Jacoby Myers is going to be in the seventies. Maybe he gets to 80 and everyone else is 50 or lower. You know, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne are field stretchers. They're going to hit some big shots and it's going to feel great. And you're going to be like, oh, I wish I had them. And we're all going to flock to the waiver wire on that Monday after Nelson Aguilar has two touchdowns because, you know, he got behind the Eagles shitty secondary. And, you know, that's just it. You know, that's what he's going to do. I feel you. So let's just move on here. I am honored and we were honored. I was very surprised when Scott fish gave yards per an opportunity to give away a Scott fishbowl 11 spot. So we ran a contest. Alex helped us out with that. And Alex selected the winner. And I am proud to say that the winner of the spot is at the boy. And that is, I would say, I guess the boy and that would be the handle is at the B O Y E E E. So you are this, the spot winner um, contact yards per via DM and Alex can help you out as far as contacting Scott fish to get into the Scott fishbowl 11 and congratulations. And we are honored that Scott gave us the opportunity to give this spot away. So go win it for us. Cause we know Ryan's not gonna, you know, guys over here giving us bad takes over here. Flood stats, you know, you know. Yeah, don't worry. I I can't draft, and it's a redraft league, and I don't even play it. So you guys are gonna take advantage of me. You know what I mean? We'll see how yeah, that goes. I, I'm doing a mock for the Scott Fishbowl, and it's my he first ever year. Like, game. let me in. It's rough, man. It's rough. You didn't hook me up. How am I supposed to but, know? You know, you, you know. I thought we were friends. They're let. They're let, They're out all over the place. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I see how it is now. Selfish. You're you're way bigger than I am on Twitter. I don't, I don't want to hear that. You're way bigger on Twitter. You should definitely be seeing that type of stuff. Okay, well maybe I'm following the wrong people. Okay, maybe they're holding myself. all their mocks for themselves. Okay. No, Anyways. there's like a couple of people that have been mock drafting. So no, they're just sitting there talking about how wonderful everybody is and not having any disagreements or discussions about anything meaningful at all. <laughs> yeah, true. you know, you know, it is what it is. But let's no, move no, on. No, no, no. That's a conversation for that's a whole nother podcast. Exactly. I'm not getting yeah, in. I'm not going down that rabbit hole today, but I need you to know those are my thoughts and opinions, and I will go to the mat on it on that one. All right. Well, we ain't got time for that, Adam. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I think we do. I, you know, not all of us have off tomorrow, Adam. Okay. <laughs> let's move on to the Miami Dolphins here. Miami Dolphins, do we expect Tua Tagovailoa to take a step forward, or do we think that what we got last year is what Tua is? Adam? What we got is what we got. He's going to be a middle-of-the-road quarterback. Um, He's got better weapons this year, so that might help him. If he's going to make the step, he's going to make the step this year. I just – I don't know that he has it. I just – I don't think he has it. I don't know that he has it. I don't know that he has it to be a top-tier NFL quarterback. He feels like – a borderline backup, borderline career backup. Spicy. I like it. Ryan? I think he takes a step forward this year. I mean, they. Uh, I, I do like Forrest as a coach. I think he's 
I think he's going to be able to develop uh, two of the best that he can. I mean, the apparently the hip was still bothering him last year. I'm not sure how much I buy into that, but it certainly could play a factor into what we saw last year. Uh, they added multiple, multiple offensive weapons for him to use. So it's got another, he's got another year in that system and he's got a somewhat normal off season to at least prepare and be ready. So if he doesn't do it this year, like if I don't see a progression this year, then yeah, I'd say that we're, that we're probably just stuck where we're at, like a middle of the road, like Adam had said, middle of the road type of quarterback that just took advantage of the great weapons that he had at Bama. Like, uh, Adam thinks that Mac Jones did, and he was just—he's just a just a guy, I guess. All right. I mean, if you want to talk about a guy who just checks down, you know, he had a six point three yards per attempt last year, versus Fitzpatrick seven point five full yard per attempt less. That's not an offense thing. That's a confidence. I don't think I can throw the ball down fifty yards less per game than Fitzpatrick. The only only thing that might save him is he's not a terrible rusher that might help buoy him. That might save him a little bit. And right now that's actually what's saving him and has him in the mid to low teens right now in our, in the SGPN projections. I just, he's not a guy. He hasn't looked like a guy who pushes the ball downfield. They took him out in the freaking two minute drill. If you can't sling it in the two minute drill, what are you doing? You know, if you need to be benched and need a closer to come in, what are you doing in the NFL, bud? Yeah, that was definitely a, a warning sign to me where you had said where you mentioned that. I mean, there was times, multiple times where Fitzpatrick would come in, in a two minute game where they needed to win. It was almost like they just didn't trust to where to move the ball. And I agree with what Ryan said. I think it's this it's a make or break it year. They added a lot of weapons. He's gonna have no excuses. And I mean it's it's tough. He openly admitted he didn't know the whole playbook last year, and it was a refined and toned down offense when he was in there. And that just seems a little concerning to me. I mean, I get it was a rookie and he's his first year, but as a quarterback, you should be able to pick that up a little bit. So, but I think it's a make it or break it year for Tua. And I just, I'm not expecting much more. I think he's a, he's a good super flex option, a late twenties type quarterback. I don't think he's going to be much more than that. Let's move on to the running backs who again, like the last three are just kind of like a, seems to be a committee. Um, we've got miles Gaskins, Salvin Ahmed, Malcolm Brown, and Gerard Dokes, who they added in the seventh round. Adam, is it Gaskins, or are we going to see kind of maybe a little bit more of a committee use here? I mean, I think it's going to be Gaskin. I think he's going to be the guy off the rip. Malcolm Brown looked washed in L.A. He was someone who was just running the line, a la Jordan Howard last year. Um, I think Gaskins is going to be the guy you want to roster. I don't know how much of a year he's going to have. Um, I got him slated for about 150 or so carries. That number might go up a little bit. Uh, it just depends on um, what that offense looks like. You know, this is all what it's going to come down to. What's that offense going to look like? Are they going to be productive? The defense is going to be good and keep people off the field. So the offense is going to have plenty of opportunities, but it might just be the defensive battles every, every game with the Dolphins. Ryan, how do you feel about this running backs? Yeah, I, li I like Gaskin the most. I mean, when he was fully healthy and implemented 17 touches a game last season, uh, so they when he was healthy and he was ready to go, they they used him and they used him often. Uh, first in yards per reception last season, third in, third in yards per route, third in catch rate for running backs last year. Uh, shows that he has a really well-balanced uh, skill set. I think Malcolm Brown is just kind of like a, a depth piece, but 
Flores has came out and said that they can use him in any situation. He's reliable and dependable. So we'll see. He's only he's 28 years old. He's only had a, his career high in the game is 79 yards. So I'm not really sold on him being much of anything. Uh, I do like I do like Jared Dokes as a sleeper though. I think I think he's definitely worth a stash in dynasty. Uh, I think he has a three down skill set. I think he's a solid blocker, and all of his coaches speak really highly of him. All of his former coaches uh, speak highly of his passion for football, his work ethic, his character, and uh, we'll just we'll just see what the backfield looks like. Uh, Dokes injuries are a slight concern. He uh, he missed three games as a redshirt freshman, missed entire sophomore season after that, but then has been healthy ever since then. So I don't really buy too much into college injury history, but if, uh, if he does take over a workhorse type role for them anytime soon, that might be something that just to keep in the back of your mind. If you, uh, if you do have to have him in your lineup. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if Dokes is playing, I think you're going to see Salve and Ahmed as well being used together. Um, I do like Dokes as a, like, middle of the road like he's a sleeper for sure um i just don't see him ever getting like the lead role um but i i like him as like a dynasty kind of stash that possibly could be relevant in like injury concerns for the team so let's move on to the wide receiver position here we have Jalen Waddle, who they used a top 10 pick on. They have added Will Fuller, who is suspended for part of the season. Devontae Parker is still there. Preston Williams is still there. You have Jakeem Grant, and you have Lynn Bowden. Are all of these guys outside of Waddle and Fuller and Parker pretty much dead in the water here for you, Adam? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I think this is going to be heavy on the Will Fuller and the Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Parker is really the guy that you're going to want to roster in all formats. Um, He seems like the guy who you're going to want to have just because he's going to be the number one. You know, people are going to talk down his numbers last year or talk up the fact that they brought in Waddle and Fuller. But the fact of the matter is, is you're going to throw passes to everybody in your offense, you know. Um, I remember having a discussion the other day with Scott Simpson, and he was like, well, they brought it, they threw it to all these guys, but it, and it's like, yeah, you can't throw it to one receiver on every play, you know, 120, 130 targets is a real nice wide receiver one for your team, you know, going to finish probably as a wide receiver two, you know, Will Fuller is going to have those big games and Jalen Waddle is going to start to work out of the slot and they're going to be able to just rely on three receivers as opposed to last year where they had to cycle through guys every week. Yeah, I like that. I agree. I think that those three are kind of the guys that I want. Um, Obviously, the rest of them just feel like there was hype about him. Lynn Bowden had a decent little hype there for a while. Preston Williams was a big hot topic. But I just feel like now they're kind of just depth pieces that you could get. You could be rosters, but they're basically rostered as stashes on the influx of an injury from one of these top three. But I think it's going to be... I personally think it's going to be Fuller and Waddle. I think Parker is going to see, definitely see volume um, and targets, but I just think that Waddle is going to take over. I think Waddle kind of, especially like Adam had allured to where Tua doesn't throw the ball that deep. And I think if Waddle's working out of the slot, I think Tua can start to find him as his like favorite target. Um, so I really like Waddle in this offense, but I can't say that Parker isn't going to be relevant. I think Adam has a point there where Parker is more of like that alpha size and has proven that he can kind of do that to an extent there. So Ryan, how do you feel about these guys? 
I'm not, I'm not really sure what I want to do with this wide receiving core, to be honest with you. I mean, Devontae Parker, former first round pick, uh, nine games last season with at least seven targets and the 14 games that he played. So nine out of 14, he had at least seven targets last season, but he just wasn't really efficient with what he, what he was given. He was 82nd points per target, according to player profiler and had a 7.8 drop, 7.8% drop rate, which is the 12th highest in the league for wide receivers. Uh, Jalen Waddle is one of those guys that people are comparing him to Tyree Kale. I don't think that's fair for him, but he does have that game breaking upside. Uh, might start the season a little bit lower on the totem pole, maybe second or third, depending on when uh, Fuller is fully ready to go, which I think he'll just ready be inserted in the starting lineup week two after he serves his one-game suspension that he's got. But uh, Fuller and Parker, both, neither of them have been able to stay on the field for a consistent amount of time throughout their career. I think Fuller had his first healthy season, and then he got suspended for the last couple. So – Waddle is one of those guys that I'm not sure he's going to have that consistency from week to week, but he's definitely going to have those games where he might single-handedly win you a week just because he's has such big play ability and potential on a snap to snap basis. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I just alluded to it a little bit. I just, I really like Jalen Waddle in this offense. I think that he has that potential to take that. Like you had alluded to Parker and Fuller have proven they can't stay healthy. And I mean, if Waddle can stay healthy, I think that's going to be Tua's going to be his guy. I mean, you know what I mean? With the six, with that six yard at depth, of target average, I mean, who, where are you going? You know what I mean? Parker seems like a field, a little bit of Fuller's definitely a field stretcher. And Parker seems like a mid to mid to deep type um, role in the receiver. And I think Jalen Waddle is going to be that slot type guy that just gets those short slants and possibly takes him to the house. So I really like Jalen Waddle here. And I don't think you draft him top 10 to not use him. So, but let's move on to the tight end position here. They obviously have rostered Mike Gusecki for a while. He finished tight end seven last year. Um, He kind of had a little bit of a breakout there at the end of the year. However, they went and used the third round pick on Hunter Long. So long-term outlet here, is it Hunter Long and they let Gusecki walk? Or are we looking at Mike Gusecki getting a contract extension possibly and they use a tandem type tight ends adam i mean i don't know that's a question for a beat reporter not a fantasy analyst <laughs> all i know is is mike Kosecki is a top 10 tight end while he's in miami i really like him in that system he seems to have the trust i think two will go to him more as he gets more comfortable because Tua loves to check down and mike Kosecki is always open on a check down so I'm not that worried about him. Um, he might take a little bit of a step back. And even long-term, if he leaves Miami, if two is the quarterback there, that's only going to be a good thing for him. You know, there are 31 teams out there. There are 30 teams out there that would love to have him on their roster. 29 if Miami's letting him walk because Miami doesn't want him. Kansas City doesn't need him, and neither does San Francisco. Every other team needs him on their roster and would benefit from having a guy like Gasecki, who's that nice move tight end can effectively be a big slot receiver for you and just dominate the middle of the field. Ryan, how are we feeling here at the tight end position? I feel like Darren Waller sitting in his home right now, shaking his head at Adam right now, but uh, that's fine. He can shake his head at me. The Raiders would do better if they just ran out two tight ends on that field, two tight ends, John Ross and Henry Ruggs, and they're going to be in real nice shape. Going to be a real nice offense. Actually. I just solved, I, you know, I hope Gruden's listening to this. I just solved his offense. His offense could be great. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just take his book out of the Patriots, you know. That's what the Patriots are going to do. Roll out Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. Why not Waller and Gusecki? Exactly. 
Just save John Gruden's job if he listens. <laughs> Uh, he, he he's not worried about his job security right now. <laughs> he's he's got he's got a hundred million reasons why he's safe. <laughs> Brian, back to the Dolphins. So, so Jusecki's uh, here going into year four. Uh, Ten PPR points per game the last two seasons. Four tight end uh, tight end one weeks last season. Uh, average six targets per game, but only had a sixty five percent snap share. Snap share. Not entirely sure if that will go up or down with Hunter Long being there, being being drafted in the third round. But Gusecki, like Adam had said, I mean he's a he's a super athletic guy. He's always seems to always be open, makes athletic catches. So if they do let him walk, I think he's fine regardless. But you're still he's one of those guys that if you if you're kind of punting on the tight end position and you want to target him and He's, he's one of those guys that you target late if you're taking advantage of guys taking Kelsey and Waller and Kittle early in your drafts and you still have value uh, getting him later on in your drafts. And Hunter Long, uh, rookie tight end, so I'm not really sold on him, but he, I think he's a great taxi squad, uh, squad stash uh, for, the, for the season. All right, let's move on to the uh, hometown team here for all three of us here. The Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills, guys. Do we think Josh Allen can repeat his quarterback one finish over 17 weeks last year? So I'm taking a 17 week, not a 16 week, and he would have finished QB one. Do we think he can redo that, Adam? I think he takes a little bit of a step back. I think he's going to finish in the top five quarterback still. I have him slated as QB three right now. I want to believe in him. I just feel like the touchdown passing numbers are going to take a slight step back. Not much, just, you know, 35 touchdown still a great year um i just think they're going to want to run the ball more i think zach moss and devin singletary are both showing that they're guys who can be trusted and they're going to want to get the ball in their hands more because in order to win playoff football especially against a team like the chiefs all roads in the afc go through kansas city again this year and they have to keep the bet how you beat the chiefs is you keep the ball out of patrick mahomes hands you got to blitz him you got to get pressure on him and you got to take uh you got to take you got to take the ball out of his hands and they're going to need Zach Moss and Devin Singletary to do that. So I think Josh Allen's going to throw a little bit less than he did last year. Nice. I, I can definitely see that. I could see a regression. I mean, he had a crazy year last year that he came basically out of nowhere. Like no one expected him to be that, that good. So I could definitely see a little bit of regression and definitely stay in the top five though. Ryan. No, I agree. I, I think he takes a, I take, take a slight, slight step back. Uh, but I mean, he was, he was so efficient, just so good for the majority of the year. If you look at his numbers, I mean, he's top five in a lot of, in a lot of statistics when it comes to advanced stats anyways, and his rushing floor keeps him safe. So he's still essentially their goal line back. He had the third most red zone carries last season for quarterbacks. Uh, and he was third in touchdown. So he, he's one of the, in my opinion, he's one of the safest fantasy options that you can have and he shouldn't be falling outside of the top five in any super flex type style drafts for me. Yeah. I mean, I I've seen a lot of people take him one, one I've seen, I mean, in any startup I was in, I was taking him top three. So I don't think we have to worry about him dropping too far as far as anybody thinks, but let's move on to the running back position here. 
I think this just gets a little sticky. I really am a, I'm a Devin Singletary truther. I liked him coming out. I was always hoped for Devin Singletary to be a little bit higher than what he is. Um, and I'm hoping he can maybe take that step this year. Ryan clued me in that he was watching some OTA videos and he looked really fluid. So I'm hoping that maybe it's Singletary season, but Adam, how do you feel? Is it Devin Singletary or Zach Moss or does Matt Breda come in and, you know, take over? No, I think it's, I think it's, both of them. I think it's Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. I think it's the you know two-headed monster approach. It's going to be a pretty close to a 50-50 split. Um, I think Singletary will get a little bit more of the passing work. He seems to be a little cleaner in pass blocking than Zach Moss, which means he'll be on the field a little bit more. Right now, I have them pretty much, you know, they're both right about 1,000 total yards, both right about 108, you know, right around 200 touches. Um, Moss is going to get more of the line work. I think he's going to start to take some of those goal line rushes off his Josh's shoulders. So that's going to help him finish right around an RB two. Singletary is going to be more of a flex play, um, but I think they're just both going to be involved. I mean, the bills need to run the ball more. And if you listen to everything that Brandon Bean says, he talks about, he doesn't view the running backs as the issue. He, th- he likes having the two running backs. They like having the backs running. They viewed it as an offensive line cohesion issue. And I think they're going to get that squared away and they're just going to, you know, they're going to keep going at it. Yeah, and I mean, I could I could see that where Brandon Bean's mentioning that you could watch some of those games, and it wasn't necessarily that the running backs were bad. It just like there was They're nowhere. Hit in the back yeah, there was nowhere the for them to go. Play. Yeah, any chance that they got where they had a little bit of a hole, you'd see Singletary pop one for twenty, Moss pop one for ten. So I feel like I can totally get behind that. That it's not necessarily that the running backs are bad. I think it's just an offensive line that's built to pass protect and not as eventually run protect and i think that with a little bit like you had mentioned a little bit better cohesion and working together and just pure practice as a unit that this could be a better year for both of these guys ryan how do you feel no i agree i i have my notes that they definitely want to run the ball more i i uh i have them throwing on almost 60 percent of their uh plays last season i think that has to come down uh, in terms of how they're going to – how I predict them going, I think I'd rather have Zach Moss in standard leagues just because I feel like he's going to get more of the goal line work, like Adam had said, and I would definitely prefer Singletary in PPR formats. Uh, and he – because he only saw five goal line carries uh, last season, and Zach Moss only saw three, but I think – like I said, I think that increases – uh, Moss is coming off that ankle surgery. So I'm wondering if maybe that's why he didn't look as fluid as Singletary did in the OTA videos that I had seen. But, um, I do, I do think that they have a much more stable running back situation this season. I don't, I think a lot of people are out on both of them. I've seen a lot of people say that they're not interested in either one of these guys. And I don't think that's really fair to them seeing as how they're both so young and that offensive line was the main issue for them. So uh, I, I agree. I think they, I think they both have value. I think, but like I said, I think Moss has a little bit more value in standard. I think Singletary has a little bit more value in PPR formats. But I think they're both startable from week to week. What are we defining as a goal line carry here, Ryan? Anything that is within five yards, I believe, is what player profiler has. Okay, because you need to be looking at those inside the 10 carries because Singletary actually, yeah. or Moss had 15 touches inside the 10 to go with another 
you know, 28 total inside the 20. He's getting the ball down there in the red zone. He, they trust him down yeah. there. And I think they're going to start to go to him more and more. So with an improved offensive line, that's more cohesive. I think you're going to see his touchdown number jump up. And I think that's going to be the thing that's going to catapult him into that RB two category. I think he's going to have seven, eight touchdowns this year. Which is also going to be what the reason too, you can see Allen drop too, because Allen's always had the red zone touchdown percentage to raise his, right floor almost as a quarterback so that that's a it's a it's a balance that could raise one but lower the other so but let's move on to the wide receivers here real quick obviously we stefan Diggs is the leader but then we have it gets a little bit murky with beasley sanders davis of those three who do we think is the wide receiver two i mean i'm leaning beasley's obviously the two he's kind of a the ppr machine and just kind of seems like a favorite and reliable target for Josh Allen. But do we think Davis takes that step or do we think Sanders is coming in to kind of be that John Brown, maybe wide receiver two role, Adam? So I think they're banking on Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis looks like the guy, you know, last year he was a favorite in the red zone. He was a touchdown machine, seven touchdowns last year, you know, could go up this year. I think Gabe Davis is going to be a pretty high floor kind of guy right now. I have him slotted in around wide receiver 40, Cole Beasley going to finish as about wide receiver 30. Um, and that's just because Cole Beasley is going to see more volume. Cole Beasley is going to touch the ball more than Gabe Davis is. Gabe Davis is going to be more big plays and touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders is just there to be a professional, to be a veteran, and be there in case somebody gets hurt. You know, I really think they want it to be Gabe Davis. Um, you know, they're running three and four wide sets enough that they might want to spell some of the guys and not have them on the field all the time. Emmanuel Sanders is a closer comp to Stefan Diggs than John Brown is. He's a little bigger than John Brown is, and he's just able to shoulder that first tier weight a little bit more. So if one of those guys goes down, then I'm interested in Emmanuel Sanders, but I'm not interested in him in any other situation. Nice. I like that, Ryan. No, I agree. I, th- I think Sanders is kind of somewhat ring chasing at this point because I, I think he – I think he's kind of done. He hasn't really looked the same since he tore his Achilles, which I feel like is just kind of stereotypical for most NFL players. Uh, but like you had said, Jeremy, I think I think Beasley's a two. I mean, he he's just been consistent, especially his last two seasons in Buffalo. I mean, the last two seasons, 107 targets, 75 catches, 873 yards, five touchdowns on an average. Uh, average finish of wide receiver 33. Last year, he was wide receiver 17 from week six on last year. Uh and he, he's just he's just that guy that just always seems to be open for that, Mike. He just he's number one in contested catch rate according to Player Profiler. So Josh knows that he can go to him if he if he needs to. And like Adam had alluded to, I think Gabe Davis is part of that uh, big play touchdown touchdown guy. But for whatever reason, he was he only saw a ten percent target share despite the fact that he led the team in target separation. So like he's, he's getting open. He just, he just needs to see the targets in order to be a viable fantasy option. He was 11th in fantasy points per target, uh, 12 targets in the red zone, but, and which was by far the most by rookies and actually had uh, one more than Devonte Adams. And that's that. I, I mean, yeah, his target share was a little lower, but his snap count was up and down and all over the place because John Brown was still, the guy they wanted to have on the field. If you look at it, you know, he was 49, 36 to start the year, hundred percent 
60, 94, 100, 97, 96. By the end of the year, weeks 11, 11 onward, he's on the field, you know, 80, 90% of the time, and his target share went up as a result. It, you know, it's important to keep that in perspective that he was a rookie last year. So everything changed, you know, from week 11 on last year, he was, you know, he had 31 targets in those five games, averaging six targets a game, you know, stretch that out over the six, over the 16 game season. And he's finishing a lot higher and, you know, closer to 80 targets, you know? Yeah. I, I have in my notes that he had, he has at least four catches in seven of the eight games where he saw at least 75% snap share. So right. when he's on the field, when he's on the field, he performs and he does his job and he does a, he does a very good job. And I think that's why they do want to lean on him as opposed to putting 30, whatever year old Emmanuel Sanders out there on the field. So I, uh, I agree that Davis is the preferred option to start there. And Sanders just kind of there as an insurance policy and hopes that nothing happens to those guys. Right. And I also think that with him being one of the bigger bodied receivers that they have, I wouldn't be surprised if when they got down near the goal line, he's running some of those tight end routes, you know, instead of Tyler Croft and Lee Smith, he's running some of those. There's a world where Gabe Davis finishes with double digit touchdowns. And I'm not going to be shocked if it happens because he is, you know, you know, he's a big guy, good catch radius can be physical down there near the goal line. He could scoop up a lot of those tight end red zone targets that people think are going to go Dawson Knox's way. Yeah, I mean, last year he almost could have got the double digits. I yeah, he had, re- se- he had seven I last can, year. I can recall three he dropped wide open. So, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he definitely can get to that double digit this year. Like you had said, he brings that different factor than these other three guys. He's a lot bigger guy. He's stockier. And like Ryan alluded to, he can get open. I mean, he's been open in the end zone and short routes and, and deep routes. So I do like Gabe Davis a lot. Um, how about Stefan Diggs? Do we think he can repeat top five? This year, Adam, yes. real quick, yes, Ryan, not even a question. 170 targets this year is what I'm going to doubt. Is what I got him down for. 120 catches, 1400 yards, nine touchdowns. I think he's just going to, you know, slight step back for him, but he's still just going to be an absolute beast. You know, he's an absolute monster out there. He's, you know, he's the guy, and I can tell you right now. If I'm the NFL, as soon as I saw that picture of him standing on the sidelines watching the Chiefs celebrate at the end of that AFC championship game, I'm scared. I'm scared to play this guy. I'm scared to cover this guy. I think he's just going to be an absolute beast this year. I can get behind that. I mean, I my next question was going to be, do you think we he can get to wide receiver one? I mean, the difference between wide receiver five and wide receiver one is a few – you know, walking into the end zone a few times. I think it's going to be hard, especially if Devontae Adams has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. I think Devontae Adams is firmly in Wisconsin's wide receiver one. If Aaron Rodgers plays, it gets interesting if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play. But there's just, there's so many good receivers right now. There's so many good, you know, guys out there. And it's just, it's so much variability. It's who's going to get the touchdowns, who's going to get the red zone looks, and touchdowns are fluky. Touchdowns are fluky. They're, you know, heavy up and down and you just can't predict it. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that. I just, it's always interesting to think about that. Cause I think Diggs has that potential. It's just like you had said, like it depends on the touchdowns. And if we see Davis taking that step forward, does that come away from Diggs or does it come away from the other guys? So Ryan, let's go to the tight ends here real quick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, Why oh. is Gabe Davis taking a step forward? Going to take away from Stefan Diggs? The touchdowns. It's my way. I mean, there's there's a bunch of touchdowns that went around. You know, there was yeah. one to I Jake mean, Kumaro, 
one to Reggie Gilliam, one to TJ Yeldon, two to Lee Smith, three to Tyler Croft, three to John Brown. You know, there's a ton of yeah. touchdowns there to, that are guys who are no longer on the roster. I don't think Gabe Davis yeah. taking a step forward takes anything away from Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I guess my argument would just be, as like I said, you know, I mean, if you're looking at Davis getting three more and then you're asking the running backs to get more, I think that that passing touchdown numbers is going to go down. I mean, I, I mean, I guess Diggs, I, I think that Diggs is still going to get his share. I think that Allen just likes Diggs better. I think he's the number one receiver, obviously. And I think they're going to feed him as long as they can all the time. So I don't see him necessarily taking like a step, step back, but I just feel like for him to take that step forward to wide receiver one, he would need to take that share from Davis in the touchdown category and, or the running backs. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess I worded it kind of wrong by saying he's taking a step back, but I, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Um, But the tight end position, Ryan Dawson, it, they have Dawson Knox, Jacob Hollister, and then, Quentin Morris was brought in as an undrafted free agent. Do we want any of these guys? Is Dawson Knox going to take that step, or is it just Dawson Knox is a perennial tight end three? Ryan? So he's going into his third year, and that's usually when tight ends usually tend to make their, their jump from being mediocre, borderline nothing, to being something. But – the, the one stat that I had that I looked up that was immediately told me no, no thanks to anybody in this group was that they only saw a 12% target share last season. And I don't see it increasing very much. And so I'm just kind of out on our tight end group, to be honest with you, in fantasy anyways. Adam, how do we feel about these guys? Want nothing to do with any of them in any format. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much there, I think. I've taken Dawson Knox as a late tight end guy you can get him real real late in dynasty startups and that's about it i'm just taking him late as an upside guy but i'm not expecting much from him so i think we can all agree that the (laughs) players the owner wide receivers running backs and quarterbacks and avoid the tight ends for the bills so yeah all right guys that's gonna wrap it up um adam why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on twitter and what you got going on uh you can find me at adam pelletier on twitter um stuff we got going on right now just dropped a dynasty trade value chart make sure you check that out good information feel free to yell and scream at me and tell me i'm an idiot like everyone on reddit because i don't believe in adp as an evaluative tool i know i'm a horrible evil monster and i think adp is stupid it's fine people you'll live um also coming up i got a bunch of i editing more stuff that i'm writing these days we have our sgpn projections dropping this week, we finally got those all squared away after the Titans and the Falcons tried to jack us up with those, yeah. making a trade as as I was in the process of editing. And next week, we're dropping our full comprehensive rankings next week, also over at Sports Gambling Podcast. So make sure you check us out, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, or you can check us out in the App Store and Google Play SGPN app name. Go ahead. You can find all our news, all our podcasts, and we're running a great NBA contest in there as well. So go ahead, get on that ASAP free NBA contest with a chance to win a thousand dollars. And I will second that as I work for Adam. So I will say yes, slide over to SGP. That's here. You can find a lot of my articles as well as Yards Per, who is a sponsor of this podcast. So you can find any of my work over there, and you can find me on Twitter at Pope's FFH. Ryan? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mackie underscore, Mackie underscore FFB. 
uh, I want to thank Adam for being on here. I love the back and forth. I love the love the conversation. We honestly don't really have that all that often, so it was a nice little change of pace to have somebody that was willing to go back and forth with us a little bit. I uh, I actually really prefer that as opposed to having people just agree and nod their head and say yes to everything. So I, I can appreciate that. Um, but I want to say congratulations to the boy there for winning the, uh, the Scott fishbowl giveaway there. Uh, we follow each other on Twitter. I've had some back and forth conversations with him. I'm pretty sure I'm in a league with him too, actually, now that I think about it. So uh, congratulations to him. And uh, thank you guys for having a great episode. Yeah, and you summed it up. I was going to toss it over there and congratulate him, but I will again anyways. Congratulations for getting into Skyfish Bowl at the boy. And uh, that concludes our episode. Until next week, guys, take care.